If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 30 as we continue our worship series on uh, through the Psalms, Worship by Design, that God has made each and every one of you uniquely, wonderfully, and beautifully, whoever you are and, and however you feel about yourself this morning. Let me tell you what God thinks about you. He thinks that you are a one and only creation of His to be known and loved by him and to know and love him. It's such good news as we continue through our our series in the Psalms. But do you guys feel a little bit better this morning? Is it my imagination or do you feel a little stronger this morning? I mean, how about daylight savings time? Is that not a great thing? You know, I just think that's fantastic. You should have seen the early church. You know, half those people weren't there by design. All of a sudden we're full like, all right, how many of you here really were here on purpose? How many of you forgot to set your clocks back? I don't know. Think of how good you would feel if every Saturday night we had an extra hour of sleep. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, how productive we would be. Now, please don't come up to me after the service and say, Jeff, no, you can't do that because if you did, eventually the whole calendar would be messed up. I know that. But boy, do I would love to have one extra hour of sleep every Saturday. What's it say about your pastor? I don't know. (laughs) For those of you who are parents, we're going to talk about, and for those of you who are not, we're going to talk about thankfulness. We're going to talk about the reality that that God, as we looked at through uh, the Psalms, what we're trying to do is this. We're trying to say, this is how God has made us. This is how God has called us to himself, and this is how we should respond. So as we look through the Psalms, we've actually looked at elements of worship and the things that God has called us to do, like our invocation, asking God to come and join us, our confession of sin, our assurance of pardon. And today we're going to talk about thankfulness and or the offering. But to all your joy, I'm talking more about thankfulness than the offering, right? So I want you to know, you can leave here and say, hey, the pastor could have preached on the offering and really he preached on the heart of thankfulness anyway. And the reality is we need to have a thankful heart. And if you're a parent, you should be from the beginning teaching your children, say thank you. Say thank you for all things. Say thank you to your teachers. I mean, say thank you to your coaches. Say thank you for your blessings. Make sure you say thank you. And often as we teach our kids, isn't it kind of true that you kind of hear a heartless, yeah, thank you. It's like Pavlov's dog, say thank you, thank you. But it's more than just saying thankful. It's really trying to develop a thankful heart. Because one thing we know, especially in our society today, is it not true? That entitled kids aren't thankful kids. Entitled kids who feel like you know, somehow the world uh, is, is their oyster and everything revolves around them. Entitled kids aren't, aren't thankful kids. Well, listen, let's don't just put a bad light on the kids. Let's talk about adults as well. Entitled people aren't thankful people. And this is not who we should be. Because why? We are God's people. And he loves us. And he's demonstrated the depth of love for us that that he would show sinners like you and me uh, that he's not only loved us before time began, but he would love you so much that he would send that which is most precious to him, his only begotten son, to come and to rescue you. And when you remember, when you remember what God has done for you, when you remember what, what Jesus did on that cross, when you remember, you can't help but be thankful. Is it not true? You can't help but say, thank you, God, for for all that you have done for me. How was trick-or-treating last night? 
Some of you uh, may have taken your kids there. Some of you may think that's not an uh, event that we want to participate in. I, I don't uh, argue with that. But the reality is, is I don't want to be that Christian who, who was uh, not going to greet warmly the kids in my neighborhood. And so when they come, uh, it's weird. We live in a little cul-de-sac. And although it's a great neighborhood for trick-or-treating, like we've had one year that no one came. And a few years that only a few people come. And because of that, and because I want to be generous, and I hope it's more to be generous, we don't get the little fun size bars. We don't get the little, I could barely, you know, the wrappers more and then the actual, we get the big candy bars. If you come to my house and you get a Reese's cup, you get two cups and full size. You get to choose between Hershey's with almonds and without almonds. And when you get a Kit Kat, you get the whole Kit Kat because... I want to make sure that, you know, when the kids show up, they're going to be thankful for coming by our house. And again, maybe it's because like four show up, we can afford it. And maybe it's because the leftovers are awfully good. I, I don't know. But it was interesting to see how, how uh, that has evolved. I mean, some kids come up the door without even a, a, a thing to put it in. They just kind of like, here, stick their hand out. And, and, you know, some just kind of say trick or treat or nothing and you give it to them. And, and what do you always want? A thank you. Just say thank you. And the ones that don't say thank you, you want to follow them. Hey, 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 what about, what? I, I, I gave you the big size. But they were pretty good, actually. But at the very end, it was the, actually the oldest two. These two kids came up and they, they rang the doorbell. And then we, we, we came out and we had the, uh, the bowl of candy. And it was the good stuff, right? Like, oh my goodness, no one else has these, you know. And they literally did this. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. I'm like, score. You are worthy. All I want to do is just to say thank you. And again, that's so much of who our God is who wants to lavish. Listen, he wants to lavish a love upon you. He doesn't want to just give you a fun-sized relationship. He doesn't want to give you just a thimble full of his love. He doesn't want to give you just a taste of his grace. He wants you to come into his presence and just be amazed at the depth of his love that he wants to lavish over and over and over and over again on you and me. We, uh, we were created by design to worship him. It's such a gift. We were created by design to know and love him. We were created by design to have a relationship with him. And because of all that reality, we were created to be a people who say, thank you. God, thank you for loving me this way. Thank you for not just giving me a fun-sized savior, but thank you for giving me a savior who's sufficient for the depth of my sin. Thank you for, for giving me life, and not just any kind of life, but life and life abundantly. Thank you for giving me victory, victory even over myself, victory even over the grave. And now because I'm yours, I want to be forever thankful. That's the reality of how God wants us to live, because we are his people. It's interesting what the Bible calls us. He calls us, the Bible says that we're peculiar, we're different. And why are we different? Well, it's not because we're better looking or we're nicer or anything else. We're different because of one reason. We're his. And being his will give us forever life and joy. And because of that, we should be thankful people. We should have thankful practices. Our, our lives should be a, a routine, a practices of, of saying thank you, of being reminded of the story in which we find ourselves. And not only that, there's some thankful patterns that the Bible says if you really want to get this life in Christ Jesus, you really want to understand how to live your life. There's a pattern. 
as a pattern. And thankfulness is a, a big part of that. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm chapter 30. There's so many Psalms that, that really uh, remind us to have a thankful heart. This is the one that the Lord has led me to this morning. Uh, it's written by David, according to what the text says, at a time of dedication of the temple. But really, it's beyond that. It was written for you. It was written for me because God so loved, he gave. And he gave us his word. God, God breathed upon the writers to give us this living and active word, not just to entertain us, but to transform us. So the beauty of this is this. No matter who you are and where you've been or, or how far you understand this story, maybe it's new or maybe you've been around this for a long time. Do you believe this? God wants to speak to you this morning. He wants to speak to you through his word and through this meal and even through a broken preacher like me. So let's hear the word of the Lord. I will extol you or I will lift you up. I will praise you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. And this, the Hebrew here of, of you have drawn me up is literally the, the image of a bucket in a well being drawn up. It's saying to those of us who know that God has drawn us up from the depths drawn us up from the darkness to himself, we can rejoice. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. Oh, Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You've restored me to life among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, oh, you his saints. If you are following along in your Bible and you have anything to highlight that or, or make note of that, that's such a loaded word that's going to make sense of this entire understanding of Thanksgiving, maybe even understanding Thanksgiving in all of the Bible. It's such an incredible word. When he says, again, sing praises to the Lord, you his saints. Who are they? And give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. The Hebrew here is like weeping might be that, that night guest who stays overnight, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you have made my mountain stand strong. He was self-arrogant here. You hid your face and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned from me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. That my glory may sing your praises and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, may we be a people who give thanks to you forever. Give thanks to you for who you are as the holy, holy, holy God who is, the eternal God. May we give thanks to you for all that you have created. And may we give thanks to you for how through the depth of your love, you have restored and are restoring everything that was broken. We give thanks to you that you, holy God, that you, you love us. You love sinners like us. And that love will never let us go. And we thank you 
for that reality. We thank you that this isn't the end of the story. And we thank you that there's, there's more to come. And we thank you for the day of promise that there's a day coming that we will see Jesus and we will see him and we will be like him and we will be forever with him. For that, we give you thanks. But God, as we sit here this morning and are such needy people, such a broken people, God, would you remind us of who you are and what you've done so that our lives can be filled with thanksgiving. Would you give us ears to hear your voice? Would you give us minds to understand your word? God, would you give us hearts that would embrace your love for us? And God, would you give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name and and hands that are filled with thanksgiving, that give and give and give because you have given and given and given to us. That God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things be quickly forgotten and fall away. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our savior? And it's in his holy and matchless name that we pray. Amen. If you'd like to follow along with me, you'll find a uh, outline in your bulletin. As we look to this great psalm, we look to God's word and we realize that the first thing that God has called us to is that, that we should be a thankful people. We are called to be a thankful people because we're his. We're called to be a thankful people because we are God's people. We're called to be a thankful people because God has called us into a relationship with him. And not only in relationship with him, but God has also called us into his story. What God is doing through history, through redemptive history, he has loved us and he has set us free. And he says, you're going to be mine. I mean, before time began, for, for some reason, mysterious reason, only known to God, he decided to set a particular love on you and me. He decided to call us his own and, and he call, decided to call us his family. And he made everything possible for that to become a reality. You see, the reality of this is that God loves us so much that we're his. That he's lavished a love upon us that we should be called the children of God. And you know what? That in Christ Jesus, because of what Jesus did on the cross, this is what we actually are. We are the children of the living God. We are his family. And in Christ Jesus, we're co-heirs with Christ. We have every reason to be grateful and to be thankful for we are his. And then see what what makes this beautiful, what makes this reality is that verse in verse four, chapter 30, verse four again. Let's look back at that and see what it says. It says, sing praises to the Lord, specifically, O you his saints. Who are those? And give thanks to his holy name. Throughout religion, throughout time, that word saints has kind of been a loaded word. And sometimes we think it's for those people that are really religious and really good. And and maybe some church or some council lifted them up and said, well, these are the saints. And these are the things that, that have been, they've done that sets them apart from everybody else. But you know who the Bible calls saints? It's not those who have a particularly great moral track record. It's not those who are more religious than others. According to the Bible, the saints are those who are in relationship with a holy God by his grace. 
The saints are the ones who know and love Jesus. The, the Hebrew word agios, the, the ones that we translate holy, are the ones that God has set apart and loved. Here's the reality. Are you a saint? Are you a saint right now of the living God? Well, you are, if by God's grace you've placed your faith in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You are. It's not because of what you've done. It's not because of what you've given. It's not that you're religious or not religious. It's not that you've been baptized or not been baptized. The reality is the saints in the Bible are those whom are God's children, his family, a bunch of knuckleheads like you and me that he decided to love the way he loves and only he loves. Saint. I see a place filled with saints right here. I see a place that's filled with God's people right here, the saints of God. It's a very interesting word that he uses, the Hebrew word, hasid, hasid, H, long A, S, I, D, hasid. He calls saints the hasid. And and if you're digging this, we're going to find it's such a beautiful word that we have to unpack because it really finds its worth, its its, uh, worth in what it means in the word hesed. Hesed in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word hesed, is, is God's love language for his people. It's so beautiful. It's so poignant. It's a bit hard to translate. Stick with me on this. The word hesed means, the NASB translates hesed, loving kindness. It's God's eternal loving kindness for his people. The King James sometimes uh, translates as God's mercy. God's mercy for sinners like you and me. The NIV just translated it love. Well, out of this loving kindness, out of this hesed, out of this covenant relationship that God has with his family, we find this word saint, hasid. Hasid, that God is saying, if you are in relationship with me, if you are, if you are mine, if, if, if God's grace has transformed you and brought you from darkness into his marvelous light, that everlasting love that has transformed you and me, you are a saint of God. You are a part of God's redemptive story being told. Psalm 136. It's, 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 let's look to Psalm 136. It's one of those incredible passages where God says over and over again of how much he loves us as he tells us the story of his redemptive love. Psalm 106 really is a redemptive story of God's people in the Old Testament. And that word hesed, that loving kindness, it's used 26 times. If God uses a word 26 times in one psalm, he wants you to make sure this is what's important. This is what you need to focus on. And it's my loving kindness. And the reality is this, is that everything that God does is initiated and executed through his love. Did you hear what I just said? Everything that God does is initiated and executed through his love. Now, there's things in our life that don't feel like his love, and there's some circumstances that we find ourselves that don't seem like his love. But when we know the character of God, and we know the hesed of God, the loving kindness of God, we realize he does nothing apart from it. And only his people know that in this this covenant relationship with him. Katie and I, last night as we were handing out, did I tell you we got the good-sized bars? As we were handing out to those who came to trick-or-treating, we did what we typically do, not every year, but we watched the movie Luther. 
And the reason we watched the movie Luther is because it was on the Reformation Day yesterday, October 31st, nearly 500 years ago, 498 years ago, that Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses on the door uh, of uh, the Wittenberg Castle Church. And he began the Protestant Reformation. And I, I talked a little bit about Luther last week, and I talked about the fact that, that Luther was really almost scared to death through a, a lightning storm and moved toward God. And he tried to find peace with God through the reality of becoming a monk. Let me be religious enough so I can find peace with God. But he realized that God is a just God and that he was a sinner. And because God was a just God and he, he was a sinner, he was terrified of God. He's like, I just mess up. He messed up his first communion. He could never be good enough. And then the gospel of Jesus Christ opened his life and he realized God's not angry. God's loving. God is so loving that he would send his only son. And through his son's brokenness, I will be healed. He started to realize that everything God does is based on love. It's always initiated with his love. It's always executed with his love. He even says, I discipline those who I love. And see, so the reality is, is that God's love is, is the reason for him to do all things. Let's look again at Psalm 136. It's going to tell us the, the story of Israel. It's going to tell us the story of redemption. It's going to tell us the story of God. It's going to tell us your story and my story. And here's what it says. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His hesed, his steadfast love, it endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, because his hesed, his steadfast love, endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His steadfast love endures forever. To him alone does great wonders. His steadfast love endures forever. To him who understanding made the heavens, for his love, steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the waters above the earth, the steadfast love endures forever. Every verse he wants to say, the one who created you, his love endures forever. The one who created the world, his love endured forever. And he goes on to say in that psalm, and the one who rescued God's people, his love endures forever. And that for, because of that, it says, give thanks. Let me give you another Hebrew word. Yada. Giving thanks. Yada, not Yoda. Yada, if I'm pronouncing it right. It's very interesting when he says, give thanks. It means this, confess, praise, give thanks. And the primary root of that word, you ready for this? The primary root of that word is to acknowledge or confess sin. Give thanks, because why? God has forgiven you. Give thanks, because you could be real and transparent to God. He knows who you are. He knows what a mess you and I are. He knows how broken we are. And he loves us anyway. His love endures forever. And as we give thanks to him, we give thanks in a sense at the root we're confessing, God, we have not done what you've called us to do. We have really done the things you've asked us not to do. We are a mess. We are not entitled people. We are not by ourselves loving, lovable people. You don't love us because we deserve it. You love us because you love us. And we say thanks, and in our thanks, we confess that we are not worthy. But oh, are you a God who loves? And are you a God who has set us free? As you go through Psalm 136, he'll basically tell the story. He tells the story of God's people in slavery in Egypt. And he tells it each line. He says, but his love endures forever. His love endures forever. He reminds them of God's love that will release them from slavery. He reminds them that God's love takes them through the wilderness. He reminds them that God's love leads them to the promised land. 
Did you hear what I just said? That's not their story. It's our story. That's not just the Old Testament saying, you know what? I'm going to leave them. I'm going to take them out of Egypt and slavery. What does that all point to? God is saying the slavery of your sin, the hell of separation from me, I'm going to send my son and release you. I'm going to set you free through the blood of the lamb. I'm going to give you life and life abundantly in Christ Jesus. I'm going to lead you through the wilderness of this life right now. You know that wilderness. I know that many of you are tasting that wilderness. I'm going to lead you home. This is the story of God's people and his love endures forever. We are a part of his family because he initiated that. He's executing that love for us. And we may feel like we're in the middle of the wilderness right now. And we may feel like all we're eating is this lousy manna. But the story and the depth of God's love is that he journeys with us. He's gone before us and we're gonna make it home. So be thankful. Be thankful for wherever you find yourself in the story. Psalm 139 gives us a good pattern for this. It begins in verses one through three that we praise him for who God is. God, for who you are, the holy God who is, we praise you. In verses four through nine, the the psalmist turns to praise him for creation. Have you ever praised God for the beauty of creation? I know we don't live in fall right now. And why is it 90 degrees in November? I don't know. But the beauty of what God has done in creation through the, the mountains, the sea, through one another, praise him, be thankful. And the beauty of redemption, the story of how he rescues us, be thankful. It's an incredible story, isn't it? Who could make up this story? Who could make up a story that God would love us this much that he'd send his own son for us? It's incredible. And be thankful for who he is as a God of creation and the God of recreation and redemption. Then have thank, not only thankful people, thankful practices. Uh, Thanksgiving, man, is that one of my, it's certainly, other than Christmas, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. How about yours? Does anybody not love Thanksgiving? Well, don't raise your hand. We're going to judge you badly. <laughs> How do you not love Thanksgiving? Football, food, family. It's like, it's like the three things you got to have to really be thankful. And the reality is, I know it's hard. Because the reality is, is there'll be some seats that are empty of people that are no longer here. Or, or relationships that are torn and broken. And even in the midst of our thankfulness and our Thanksgiving celebration, there's kind of a longing for more, isn't there? Isn't there always that reality? But we should have not just a one time a year for us to give thanks. It should be a, a pattern of our life. It, be, it should be a practice of our life that we do continually. The nation of Israel had seven feasts. Throughout the year, there were seven times that he would say, come and gather, come and gather. We're gonna have a feast. We're gonna party. We're gonna celebrate. And we're not just going to do it a little bit. We're going to do it a lot. And we want to do it primarily why we're going to rehearse the story of what God has done for us. We're going to tell through tangible ways what God has done. And we are going to remember and give thanks that our God loves us and our God is here to rescue us. There's one particular one at this time of year. It's the uh, Festival of Booths, a Sukkot. It's, it's basically, uh, it's a time where God's people are to remember that, that they were one time living in huts. They were one time living in tents. They didn't have a permanent residence. And so they would literally spend a week at like, like in this temporary housing to be reminded of God's love for us. You see, those patterns have changed for God's people here, this side of the cross. But we still should have, we should have practices of thankfulness. We still should be a people that continually say thank you to our great God. And we do it in worship. We do it in a corporate context as well. 
You know, every, every, every service, we're going to have a, a giving of tithes and offerings. It's an opportunity for us to show tangibly, thank you, God, for what you have done. But you can't miss this. You've got to hear this. God's love always precedes our offering. God's love always precedes him ever asking for us to respond. We never respond first. We never initiate. It's never about us bringing something to God, say, now will you love me? Now will you accept me? Is this good enough to earn my way? Never once. He's saying to us, I'm so gracious and I'm so loving to you. I've provided everything that God requires of us. God's provided for us. And now we come when we give our tithes and offerings as just saying thank you. That's why he loves a cheerful giver. We never give God something that he needs. He's given us this big size stuff. And we take the little fun size stuff that we have and we say, God, we love you. And we show a a, uh, practice of thankfulness. And lastly, a thankful pattern. This psalm is really something we can see throughout what what Paul does as well, is there's a a pattern of, of thankfulness that we should be continually rejoicing continually praying, and continually giving thanks. I want you to turn with me to the back of your Bibles for 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. It says this, Rejoice always, and pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I love those verses that are so clear, saying, by the way, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're his, this is what he wants your life, the pattern of your life to look like. Rejoice always. God loves you. His love endures forever. He'll never let go of you. Your sin will never define you. His righteousness will. You are his. You will forever be his. You're going to make it home. Rejoice always. But more than that, pray without ceasing. Be in a constant conversation with him as you walk and talk, when you rise, when you lay down. Continually be in dialogue with him. Certainly have a, a special time of worship and quietness. But, but communicate with him. Pray without ceasing and give thanks to him in all circumstances. In everything in your life, give thanks. I love what Katie pointed out to me this week as we talked about this verse. She pointed out, which is true in the Greek, it doesn't say uh, give thanks for all circumstances. It's not like life bottoms out and you want to just say, oh, thank you, God. It's, it's great my marriage is crumbling. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's great my kids are, are going in the wrong way. It's, it's great that I, I can't make ends meet. He's not saying be grateful for all circumstances. He's saying be grateful in all circumstances because you're never alone. God is with you. He'll never lead you, leave you. He'll never forsake you. And you ready for this? Your circumstances ultimately will not define you. He will. Give thanks. God is bigger than what's happening in your life. Give thanks. God is greater. Give thanks. His love is in all that he is doing in and through us. Give thanks. Psalm 30, we see this pattern. He begins with rejoicing. Extol the Lord. Raise him up. Why? Because he's raised us up. It also includes continually crying out. David cries out. I love this psalm because it shows that David took his eye off of God. He says, my strength, my, my mountain, I stood. I, I could do life on my own. Here's what I want to tell you. Growing in Christ Jesus, God never wants you to be independent. 
The goal of, of our Father is never that, that you will be so good, so strong, so mature, so whatever, that you don't need him. He wants you to live your life where you have more and more of a gaze upon him, where you realize that it's by God's grace we, we draw every one of our breaths. But the more we love him, the more we, we realize, I can't live without him. And we cry out to him. And we give thanks. Give thanks, you saints. I will give thanks to God forever. It should be the pattern of our lives. Rejoice in Jesus. He loves you. He's come for you. Pray without ceasing. Things are not what they should be, are they not? Things are not what they will be. Pray without ceasing. Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give thanks in all circumstances because God is with us and God is for us and God is conquered and we will conquer in Christ Jesus. And Jesus himself gave us a meal to remember and to be thankful. Some traditions call this Eucharist. It's a, Hebrew, it's a Greek word meaning thankful. Be thankful for what God has done. Give thanks. Even in the midst of the shadow of the cross, Jesus would take bread and he'd give thanks. He'd give thanks for a tangible expression of a true reality of what God would do for you and me. That God would send his son to give his life to give us life in Christ Jesus. We should never be entitled people, but we should always be grateful people for the love of God in Christ Jesus. Why? If you're his, we're rescued people. We're rescued through the blood of the lamb. He was broken so that we could be healed and let us forever remember and forever say thanks. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you don't ask from us to give to you so that you will love us and accept us. But God, you have forever and you will forever, Hesed, be in loving kindness relationship with your people. And everything that you require of us, you provided for us in Christ Jesus. And we thank you We thank you for a savior. We thank you for one who has come to set us free. We thank you for one who's come to to make us truly alive. We thank you for one who's come to make our lives fruitful for you. God, we thank you. Thanks for loving the broken. Thanks for loving the wandering. Thanks for loving those who just forget. God, you are an amazing God. And thank you for loving us to the depths and may your love cause us to live our lives as thankful people. God, as we collect our tithes and your, our, our, our gifts and your tithes, we ask that you would bless them to advance your, your kingdom. We thank you that you love a cheerful giver. And God, we thank you that you have given us a meal that we're about to partake that will tangibly remind us of the depth of love you have for us. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.